you for joining me for quite excellent episode number 28. Today I'll be reading another poem from Allie's series of poems for every day of the year. This one by John Keats. This poem is actually an excerpt, a short segment from a larger work called A Song About Myself. But before we get into this week's poem, we need to discuss our last one, The Fairy School Under the Lock by John Rice. I'm really happy that we started with this poem, having seen the responses my students had to it. That poetry is something that it has a tendency to push at our comfort zones, especially when we haven't spent much time with it. This poem had details that students were able to grab onto even when the whole poem felt too abstract. And it had elements for clever analysis for students more comfortable with thinking about symbols and creating meaning through little details. I enjoyed the poem myself when I initially selected it, but after reading through the responses of students who brought no shortage of brilliance to their readings, I enjoy it even more. Here's the poem. The Fairy School Under the Lock by John Rice The wind sings its gusty song. The bell rings its rusty ring. The underwater fairy children drive and swim through school gates. They do not get wet. The waves flick their flashing spray. A school of fish wriggles its scaly way. The underwater fairy children learn their liquidy lessons. Their reading books are always dry. The seals straighten in in a stretchy mass. Teresa, the teacher, flits and floats from class to class. The underwater fairy children count, play, sing, and recite. Their clothes not the least bit damp. The rocks creak in their cracking skin. The fairy boat drifts into a lock of time. The underwater fairy children lived, learned, and left this life. Their salty stories now dry as their cracked wings. Students and their initial responses had a lot of great ideas about what the poem was about and how it was working. And while I want to get to that, I, I want to note that I was surprised how many mentioned their initial confusion in these paragraphs. I expected it. And what I mean is that I expected them to be there, and there actually wasn't a lot. I mean, this is a school that is dry and underwater. What does that even mean? Now, it wasn't that there wasn't any confusion. It's just that students tended to save it for the replies to one another, noting how strange and unexpected some details were, or how they weren't totally sure what it was about. This is about the most normal response to trying to make sense of a form of literature that is itself not especially familiar. What I didn't expect was how consistently students commented that even though there were confusing elements, rereading the poem tended to clear some things up, and that, as one student noted, it was possible to appreciate the imagery of the poem through rereading, even as the meaning was still hard to grasp. I love this. Poems need to be read, then reread, then reread. Poems are at their best when you are reading them out loud, as the sounds of the language can reveal new details. And there was something very honest and profound about seeing a work of art and realizing that it can be beautiful without being obvious in meaning. Now, a few students connected this poem with our current pandemic-induced hybrid digital teaching model, which makes sense. I mean, I brought it up myself. 
One student noted how the constant presence of water in this underground school makes everything at risk of getting wet, just as schools were able to start back up, even though a virus threatens the world. This was helped, says another student, by the opening two lines that remind us of the normal sounds of a normal school day, but it is clear that everyone is affected by the strange environment they must learn in. The student notes that it is as if the students are affected by this strange spell. Just as all of this year's students have been affected by the changes to school as a result of coronavirus. Another noted that for students attending an underwater school to not get wet, they must not physically be present in that school, just as many of our students are not physically on our own campus as fully online students. The presence of the underwater school that somehow didn't get the students or their books wet was a common focus for student responses when they were not linked to current events as well. Students frequently connected the dryness of the books to the content of instruction, with one noting that, quote, the reading books are dry from the lack of uniqueness and creativity. Many agreed with this reading, with one student noting that this kind of bland underwater school becomes the new norm, and another writing that the poem, quote, brings light to the passionless world school became for most children, that the children were always, quote, dry because fairies and children now never put heart into their instruction. This dryness was not always negative, however, with a few students suggesting that they actually showed the resilience of children. Despite a school environment where students were literally underwater, they didn't let the water get to them. Quote, they don't get wet emotionally. One student suggested that this wasn't an intentional resilience, but a kind of blissful ignorance that goes away as the age. The dryness of the students as they left the school at the end was the most engaging part of the poem for students, and some connected this to memory. A few students suggested that there weren't actually any students at the school anymore, but rather that there were memories of previous years. The students in the school now were nothing more than the fond memories or, more chilling, ghosts of what was. This reminiscing that multiple students saw seems to recognize how fleeting childhood is and how students must keep moving forward, quote, leaving their lives as young children to experience the real world. There were multiple readings that saw the cracked wings of the poems end in exactly this way, where growing up was taking from the fairy students their creativity, where, despite being ready to grow up, their, quote, stories had lost their flavor. Progressing from school to adulthood is, in some of these readings, painful and bland. And then when students look back, they found that they left a part of themselves back in school, a story that, quote, will never be told right. Because school is behind them, and looking back isn't the same as having been there. Now, I don't personally think that growing up is bland or that you have to lose your creativity or any of that, but I, I can understand how... The world of adults might look and feel that way when you're still in a space that's so free, right? That doesn't have nearly the same kind of demands, which is not to say there aren't demands, just that they aren't jobs that fire you if you don't show up or children who don't get enough to eat if you don't make a paycheck. They're different, right? And yet I still think these are just phenomenal readings. There was a phrase that many of them pointed to, which in the last stanza says, A fairy boat drifts into a lock of time. All of this talk of aging and reminiscing and ghosts 
made me think of the mythological Greek and Roman ferryman of Hades, Charon, you may have heard of him, who brought the souls of the dead across the river Styx. Given how final and bittersweet the last stanza is, I'm not sure this is an accident, although I'm legitimately not sure what to do with that information. I just think it's a neat illusion that seems to live there. There is also a play on words happening in Lock of Time. While it uses the L-O-C-H lock, which means lake, I couldn't help but thinking of like a lock, L-O-C-K, as students described a school haunted by memories of what was. A, quote, lock of time might be a moment in history, then, something that can never be changed or re-experienced, permanently kept at a distance from us as we age. Now, our next poem is this passage from A Song About Myself by John Keats. Uh, There's only really one good time of year to use poems that are about the start of school, and that is appropriately at the start of school. Now, we will move on to other subjects soon. Not all of our poetry will be about school, but this poem will allow students to build on the kind of analysis they did last week, especially in the area of trying to find something new, because the boy at the heart of the story does exactly that. He goes away to a new school on the hope that something new will be offered. Now, you'll notice that this poem has only one stanza, so we won't be needing that word today. Instead, our secret passphrase will be punctuation marks. Yes, I, I know that isn't a phrase. It is still what we are doing. In this case, I want you to be sure to put quotation marks around the title of this poem. All short texts, when their titles are used, require quotation marks, and poems generally follow this rule as well. There are, so you know, epic poems that are treated differently, but as a good rule, if it's a poem, slap some quotations around it, okay? One quick note, by the way, this poem uses the word fourscore. If you remember your Abraham Lincoln speeches, this means 80. A score is equal to 20. So, four of them. You know. Here's this week's poem. From A Song About Myself. John Keats. There was a naughty boy, and a naughty boy was he. He ran away to Scotland, the people for to see. Then he found that the ground was as hard, that a yard was as long, that a song was as merry, that a cherry was as red, that lead was as weighty, that fourscore was as eighty, that a door was as wooden as in England. So he stood in his shoes, and he wondered. He wondered. He stood in his shoes, and he wondered. Students, be sure to use quotation marks around the title of this poem within your response. Remember to complete your paragraph-length response by Wednesday, September 9th, and two replies to the responses of your peers by the Friday that ends the week. Your paragraph-length response should include a tag and make a claim in the opening sentence or two, then support that claim with quotations from the poem and commentary that explains how those quotations actually support your claim. Be sure to read the assignment instructions for a full breakdown of expectations. 
If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, or would like me to direct an eye toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on LeidenTeaches.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities, and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 28 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, you discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent.